Welcome to Bumped with Hayley and Rochelle. From IVF besties to pregnancy pals. This is a podcast all about the highs and lows of pregnancy and our steps towards motherhood. So grab a glass of bubbles or probably a cup of tea and join us as we bump along together. Hello and welcome to Bumped with Hayley and Rochelle. We are so excited to be in the throes of season two. Um, I've had a baby, so I don't really have many pregnancy updates, <laughs> but we have a beautiful third trimester pregnant mama to be, Rochelle. How are you today, Rochelle? Oh, I'm good. I'm just so tired. I think I've hit that third trimester like sleep insomnia yes, type thing. Yes, that's that really people- tough talk about yeah so I don't really get to sleep till after midnight and mm-hmm. then I'm usually awake around three o'clock again and then six when Jed gets up and then I sleep until like again 10 so it's just very broken which also isn't great for my gestational diabetes because no. it, it um rise raises your blood sugar levels. okay yeah so gotta watch out for that so yeah. I the only silver lining of that is that is like literally my feeding schedule. So you are going to be the best feeding mama when you have <laughs> your girl because you'll be like, yeah, no worries. Midnight, 3 a.m., 6 a.m., I got this. Yeah. <laughs> Back to just... sleep for a bit of a, you know, morning nap and you are under control. But yeah, yeah that's really tough. Hopefully you um, hopefully it improves as you get a bit closer to the end. Yeah, I think it'll improve once we move to Adelaide. Yeah. Just because the dogs, they kind of sleep in our room a little bit. We'll mm-hmm. try to figure out a situation with them at the in-law's house down the track, but they usually just sleep better there. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Like Louis has this thing where he likes to – run full pelt at the back gate of the back fence and then bark and then look up at the trees. That's really annoying. He was was taught by Barnaby when he was a puppy that there's possums out there and you bark and then they'll run. But we don't have any possums where we live right now. So Uh he just barks and annoys the shit out of everyone. Yeah. Dog barks are um, particularly nuisance filled at the moment for me too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and my lovely husband can sleep through it all. Oh yeah, they're good at that. Bless they're really him. good at that. Um so you yeah, so insomnia and broken sleep totally sucks. What else is going on for you at almost 31 weeks? Oh, almost 31 weeks. Well, besides gestational diabetes, not much too much is happening. I do forget to set my timer so I have to set my timer two hours once I start eating mm-hmm. and then I prick my finger and check my levels. But besides that, everything's like going great. Good. I haven't really changed too much. Added a you know, a few more bits of fruit and veg in the diet. Yes, that's great. Um, but yeah, I was getting a lot of sinus pain mm-hmm. last week and the week before. So 
I don't think I mentioned that. And I bought some nasal spray and some antihistamines yeah. that are pregnancy safe. I think I took one antihistamine and I just, you know, suck it up and just went to bed the other times because I can right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we've just packed up literally almost all our house. Sorry, I've packed up our house, uh-huh. <laughs> whatever's in cupboards and whatnot, and all of baby girl stuff has gone to Adelaide and majority of all of my stuff has gone over. So Jed drove the trailer halfway to Adelaide yesterday. Great. And met his dad um, in a little town called Neil, if anyone knows it. I know the one. It's quite cute. <laughs> yeah, it's cute. I think there's a good bakery or something. Yeah, there. yeah, there is actually. Yeah. So they did the exchange. Shout out to Neil. Neil. Our listeners <laughs> in Neil. <laughs> Please, if you're listening in Neil. Hit us up on Instagram. We would yes. love to <laughs> love to find you. Please do. So, yeah, that's exciting. Took over a bunch of plants. It was a bit of an ordeal because we have so many house, like, indoor and outdoor plants yeah. that Jed didn't want to sell, which is weird because he was oh. a bit annoyed when they first started coming in. Uh-huh. <laughs> but we've made it work and I've been selling stuff on Facebook Marketplace. Good work. Which is a bit bizarre because some people want to pick things up at like eight o'clock nine o'clock at night and I'm like mm, oh. no thanks privacy yeah <laughs> um what else oh this new thing that she does is when I'm rubbing my belly like putting wet oil or moisturizer on she kind of pushes her body up to the surface yeah and like pushes up so like you can kind of feel I don't know where the head or the butt is, but you feel one of the both. Mm-hmm. And then like her spine, so like you're kind of like rubbing down her back and she loves it. That is awesome. It's Baby massage. Yeah, it's so cute. The first time she did it, Jed was rubbing my belly and he was like, what the hell? Because <laughs> like it was just a flat, not a flat belly, but just like a mounded round yeah. belly. And then like one side lifted and it was like askew, and he's like, "Oh my goodness, is that her bum or is that her head?" I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> just, One of them. They're very easily interchangeable at this point. <laughs> they are, and I don't know how big, you know, they are. I know the last scan at twenty-eight weeks, her foot was five centimeters. Oh wow! But I don't know about the rest of her. Yeah, she flips and turns constantly. So one minute she could be down, you know, face head down. And then the next, who knows, she could yeah, be on the side. That's amazing. So hopefully she kind of turns and stays downwards. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure she will in the next couple of weeks. She might settle down in her in her little spot. Yeah. But I think like lately I've just been got getting into like this rabbit hole of Instagram, mm-hmm. which – can be negative, but I think this is more for a positive because okay. I've been watching like a lot of doulas yep. and birth coaches because clearly I can't afford it. Um, I'm just going to watch up and lap up all the information they can give me yeah. in terms of how to get through like a natural or like, what's that word? Physiological. Like physical, physiological birth. Yep. And so just learning a lot about that and trying to get really – mentally prepare myself to mentally advocate to not have any induction purely because I'm IVF. I don't see the medical reason to induce just because it's medical, Mm -hmm. just because it's an uh, IVF pregnancy. 
if baby's healthy and I'm healthy, then why induce? Why is it healthier to induce rather than healthier to keep baby in there? So, yeah. yeah. And hopefully, because um, I probably had that conversation with my OB at about 36 weeks, I think, which gave me a couple of weeks to think about what I wanted, to negotiate with her, to have those conversations. So I think the sooner that you can talk through and then you actually, like with my OB, there was always like she was, um, you know, she had her reasons, she had her ideas, but then there was always conversation around that. And mm-hmm. so if you can reach, um, if you can reach whether it's a compromise or a point where you're both, you know, she's supporting you and you're advocating for yourself, then I think that's really good. And the earlier that you can have those convos, the more time you've got to um, get your head around it, to prepare, and um, I think that's really important because it yeah. it's actually that was the toughest thing is because I'm, you know, all like, advocate and it's your body it's your baby but when you're actually having those conversations they can be really hard Mm -hmm. and you can and this is with supportive staff let alone you know people who um, are not listening to you like this is this is in a kind of as healthy as possible but it's actually really difficult because you are pushing back and then you doubt yourself and then you you know you obviously don't want to compromise yourself or the baby so yeah, the more you can talk about it and the earlier the better for sure. And I think it's you've clearly got, you know, strong ideas and and you um, are walking into those conversations, um, you know, with, yeah, with, with a strong instinct and information and stuff. So, yeah, I think that's really good. Yeah. I did mention it like because I've only met my Adelaide OB once mm. and that was before Christmas and so I do have another appointment on the – 9th of Feb I believe perfect yeah and so I'll bring up all these to her because you know I really want to balance the risk of induction versus going overdue yeah what are the risks of both and Mm -hmm. what's going to be healthier and not to induce just for the sake of inducing because I'm overdue yeah so a lot of conversation around that and she is lovely but you know I have a very particular idea of how I want to go into labor um, and that is spontaneously. Mm-hmm. But again, if it's healthier for the baby and for myself to be induced, then of course we'll do that. Yeah. But, you know, I know that my body is capable of going into labour, so I just want to keep that kind of yeah positivity around going into labour, labour itself or trimester and not kind of get too scared about it. So No, that's right. Yeah, but... Moving past the whole, you know, medical system, I guess, which can be quite, yeah, like you said, overwhelming or it's it's scary to go against the man per se, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, especially when they have such, such strong feelings and they have this medical background and you're just a pregnant lady. <laughs> but, yeah, so that'll, that'll happen. I'll let you all know how I go. Yeah, and for sure. Obviously when we get down to it, whatever's healthiest will be. Um, But I do have some exciting happenings this Sunday because we're having a maternity photo shoot. Lovely. Which was going to be a sunrise beach shoot, 
Um, but that has now changed to 8 a.m. So <laughs> thankfully it's not sunrise because it is in Sorrento in Victoria, which Beautiful. is about a two-hour drive. Oh, far out. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my. So originally I wanted to get like an Airbnb down there and then Jed was on night shift and now he's not on night shift. I don't know what we're going to do. So worst case, we will be leaving just before 6 a.m. That is an early start. (laughs) It is an early start, but at least if it's at 8 a.m., it's kind of not so bad because if it was a sunrise shoot, I would have already been at the beach at 6 a.m. You're a brave woman. (laughs) I mean, I'm an early bird, but that's that's brave. But the photos will be beautiful, I'm sure. Yeah. It's um, really lovely. I just did like a shout-out or like a – Instagram post on my IVF page asking for like ideas of what I can do at home just because with moving and everything going on I don't know if we'd be able to get the chance to you know organize and pay for a maternity shoot ourselves and this lovely IVF warrior got me in touch with her friend who's just starting her photography business and so we're kind of helping each other out and yeah we'll share the photos and give her a shout out once they come back beautiful I'm really excited. Jed's coming along. Awesome. So I wasn't sure if he was going to, but I guess it's a special moment and we're not sure if we'll be able to have more kids in the future. So for him to be there and get up, I guess, normal time for him because he's up at six o'clock anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll be just really nice. It's going to be cold though. Eight yeah. o'clock at the beach. In Melbourne. <laughs> that's it's, all right it's okay you can handle it's it to... you're tough <laughs> I pack my big fluffy coat just yeah. walk up the beach and then like quickly throw it off <laughs> bikini cute put it back on <laughs> I think it'll be a lot of um yeah coat on coat off coat on coat off you can all hear Piper in the background she's having a little grizzle oh, my sweet she just wants to be a part of it Hayley I know she does she does. Piper's debut. She's she just wanted a cuddle. She was feeding that whole time perfectly, but now you just want some little attention, don't you? Um, well, that shoot sounds beautiful, and I will be thinking of you uh, at six a.m. driving down to the freezing cold beach. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be warm. I'm gonna keep it in my head: warm, 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 warm. Yeah. But. It's only going to be cold when I physically get into that water. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you getting in the water? Well, that was the plan. Oh. <laughs> it's supposed to be a hot day, but I didn't realise at 8 a.m. It's probably still- But in the morning, sometimes the water is actually warmer. So Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Look, I'll let you know Dude, how I, I go. I am like, shout out, you, like, you are a strong woman. And you know what? If it's too cold then Adelaide has some great beaches. That's Jed's right. parents have like a shack by the beach yeah. and I'll just take Jed out there and be like sunset beach photos. I don't know how well they'll turn out, but hey. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I think that'll be beautiful. Awesome. Well, it sounds like uh, a nice little um, thing to look forward to and can't wait to see those beautiful photos and hopefully get a little bit of solid sleep as well because that's, yeah. That's really hard. I think um, 
I'm sure we've talked about it before, but people say like, oh, you know, get that rest while you can. And I'm like, pregnancy insomnia is a thing. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's uh, yeah, that's really tough. Um, we have a really beautiful, um, very uplifting interview in today's episode. We spoke to Kate Visser. Um, she's a midwife and lactation consultant, and she can be found on Instagram at Milky Business Lactation. She is like the bubbliest, most passionate, enthusiastic um, person that we um, have spoken to. I think I think she gets the the Pep Award, um, and it was really lovely to talk to her about breastfeeding. Um, and she has a really supportive and very positive approach to that. So we loved chatting with her, and hopefully, there's a few little pearls of wisdom in the interview as well. So please enjoy our chat with Kate Visser, um, and you can, as we said, find her on Instagram at Milky. Business lactation. Today we're speaking with Kate Visser from Milky Business Lactation. She is a midwife and lactation consultant who holds an IBCLC, which I'm sure she'll explain shortly. Hi, Kate. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, girls. Total pleasure. Kate, can you tell us um, firstly a little bit about yourself and maybe a little bit about your family as well, um, where you're based and what you do? Sort of the big question Ooh. to start. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So my name is Kate and I wear a bunch of different hats. I suppose firstly by trade I'm a midwife, I'm also a wife and a mum and then on the side, not really on the side because being a lactation consultant is my favorite thing but people think that's on the side um so I do lots of different things but I like to think it's all centered around supporting women I have two daughters so even at home there's lots of estrogen um <laughs> what I do is just all about women doing their thing um so I'm currently on maternity leave uh, my second daughter was a a pandemic baby. I had her just before lockdown um, and I'm very fortunate that I'm still technically on maternity leave from being a midwife but I'm definitely doing lots of um, lactation and breastfeeding support at the moment and really, really beautifully busy doing that Um, and I am based on the New South Wales Central Coast um, and it is a beautiful spot in the world and lots and lots and lots of mamas are having babies every year here. And there's definitely not enough uh, breastfeeding support locally. So it's a total pleasure to be able to support mums um, close by, but then also throughout Australia and around the world. Amazing. And I did touch this, but you you hold an IBCLC. Yeah. What is that? (laughs) It's It's a mouthful. It's a bunch of letters thrown together that basically mean that I am the I'm credentialed in providing lactation support. So it's basically if someone says they're an IBCLC, it means that they hold the only certification or qualification um, that gives them, uh, I suppose, the platform to be able to provide um, lactation or breastfeeding support. Um, Anyone else, unfortunately, anyone can say that they're um, a lactation consultant or a breastfeeding support worker or whatever bunch of words you want to throw together. 
Uh, but there is no, the only certification that comes with that is being an IBCLC. So it's very rigorous to be able to do. Um, it involves at least a thousand clinical hours working one-on-one with breastfeeding women um, and then 90 hours of theory and a health degree behind that. So mm-hmm. it's kind of the equivalent to having a master's but in breastfeeding basically. Yeah, so it's um. I'm very, very, very proud to um, be an IBCLC. It's something I really work towards and I love being able to have that title. It's really special to me. Awesome. Um, Well, we're both pregnant and we both are planning on breastfeeding, but we've heard a lot of, I guess, those stories about how painful it is. Is there any advice on, I guess, starting our breastfeeding journey so it kind of starts off positively rather than the horror stories you sometimes hear? Oh, my goodness, absolutely. And I think, to be honest, the most important thing that you can ask or think about during your pregnancy when you guys are at this point is to actually just think about breastfeeding in general, to actually just have this thought of how do I want to feed my baby and how is this going to happen and what is this going to look like and what demands is this going to place on me and how can I support myself? Because unfortunately, all too often, we kind of focus on our birth. And don't get me wrong, I'm a midwife. I have caught lots and lots and lots of babies and it is a total pleasure and privilege and it is a really penultimate moment in a woman's life to go to birth a baby regardless of how that happens. And it is important and it's important that birth is prepared for. However, I'm really, really big on encouraging mums to prepare for their postpartum and prepare for breastfeeding because if you think about it, you know, think of, your life like a timeline birth is one day mm-hmm. your labor is one day if you want to breastfeed for longer than one day then I encourage mums to put in more time and more effort and really invest um, in their postpartum and invest in their breastfeeding journey so really my key advice is to think about it to start and then that kind of leads you down that path of asking questions and well where can I get this information from and who's out there and that's often where mums end up stumbling upon someone like myself whose aim is to support mums throughout that entire journey Um, yes we you know kind of problem solve when things come up lots of lactation consultants do that but we also support women from their pregnancy and I think that's a little bit of a unknown thing um you know we love to work with pregnant women because you know we get you before everyone else goes oh breastfeeding was so painful and my nipples fell off and I couldn't put my baby down and we get to go through all that stuff we get to talk about it and you start to wrap your head around it so that when you actually have your baby you feel prepared like you you might not remember everything don't get me wrong mum brain is real but you know you can is it worse go. than pregnancy brain because oh, that's really hard too yeah look being two kids two kids in deep I wish it's mm. got better but it doesn't um but yeah it's really prepare for it and you know when we look at the statistics the overwhelming majority of mums start breastfeeding it's 96% of mums and they want to breastfeed their babies but that statistic declines really quickly so you're gonna hear stories of I tried to breastfeed but I couldn't and my milk dried up and this happened and that and really it's a big 
the big flag that I see and that research supports is that those mums weren't supported. Mm -hmm. They weren't supported by the right professionals at the right time. Um, They might not have had access to them, whatever it may be, Um, but that support is crucial. So if you can get that support from your pregnancy, you are miles better off. You're miles ahead of a mama who just says, I hope I can breastfeed. Yeah. And waits till they're holding their baby and then goes, Well, now what? Yeah. Um, so asking those questions and thinking about it and then doing something about it, you are setting yourself up far better than someone who goes, I'll just wait and see. I'll wait and see how it goes. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Like there's one day or unfortunately maybe two days where you're in labor yeah. and you give birth and <laughs> but then you kind of forget about, well, what if I want to breastfeed for six, 12 months? And then Absolutely. you wait until after the baby's born. So I think it's really important and really great that you said, you know, education starts during pregnancy. Absolutely. Kate, you, um, you talk about, um, and this is part of your um, bio on Instagram as well, um, support through evidence, education and compassion. I think you've started to really unpack that third idea how important is the compassion side of things in breastfeeding support oh it is huge oh my goodness like I I have this um I sometimes think in the back of my mind and I I have this perception of what people perceive lactation consultants to be like and it led me down the path of actually making an Instagram reel um which I will share later but it is it's people think that we might be lactivists, that we might want to, that we want everyone to breastfeed, that we believe that, you know, breast is best and that everyone must breastfeed their baby and, you know, exclusively and that they have to breastfeed them until they start school and, we're, you know, people kind of box us in. And our job is to firstly support families to feed their babies, however that looks. And it's never our it's never our decision. Um, we don't ever. I'm speaking for myself, definitely. I never try and impose my own picture of what a perfect feeding experience is like. Because much like a birth, you know, you could have a midwife caring for you who thinks that a natural birth is absolutely perfect, mm-hmm. and you might have something different. But that's not perfect for you. Every woman is different. Every woman has a different perspective on what she wants and you know plenty of mums that I support they want to exclusively breastfeed for say six months and that's their goal from the get-go I will I often find that lots of mums change that they will get to six months ago I'm loving this can I continue what does that look like of course but their goals might be different to mine and it's just so important that we see women as individuals and that we support them in that And that also kind of comes with the notion that they're not just themselves. Each woman has her own family, her own support system or lack thereof. You know, 2020 has been a real blast um, if we want to talk about it positively for lots of mums. Not having support, not having anyone else in the home. So what does that look like? And how can we compassionately support families to feed their babies um it's always about empowering families you know I want them to look back I want them you know I want mums to you know be almost having grandkids you know and and their you know their daughter or their son goes so how did you feed me and they'll be like oh 
you were breastfed or you were whatever or you were mixed fed and you know what it was great you know I had this support and I love it I always think wouldn't it be great if mums were like oh I saw a lactation consultant and you know what she just made it so simple for me and she was just the perfect person she was what I needed right at that time and she just loved on me and just helped me so much and I fed you for x amount of time and I was thrilled with that you know that was I want them to look back and be so in awe of themselves and so proud of themselves and just reflect happily on that and I think until we see women as this whole entity this really complex whole entity um, it's really hard to support someone compassionately but it's never my choice to make um, for a family how they feed their babies. Always up to them. My job is just to give them the research, the evidence, and the tools mm-hmm. and the platform so that they can choose. Because more often than not, the overwhelming majority of mums want to breastfeed their babies. So I help make that happen for them. So I don't, I don't force breastfeeding upon anyone, but I help them to reach their feeding goals and. It always, I love when a message pops up on my phone to say my baby turned one and we're still feeding and I go, this is marvellous. And they're like, how do I return to work? Or, you know, later on they go, I'm thinking about weaning. What does this look like? And so it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful to be able to support families, you know, kind of across that spectrum of life. It's a joy. You are like the best cheerleader ever. Yeah. <laughs> If I do nothing else, I just want to be. I just want to say to every woman, you can do this. It might be the damn hardest thing you've ever done. Mm-hmm. Breastfeeding is natural, but natural does not mean it's easy. Uh-huh. But you can do this with that right mix of support. You can do this. Ninety-nine percent of women can physiologically breastfeed their babies, yeah. um, and some people kind of find that statistic scary. And lots will argue with me because they say, but I couldn't because of X, Y, Z. And I go, I get that. But at the root cause, and I very often don't say this because it doesn't sound very compassionate, but in my head I know that it's because the root cause was because they weren't well supported. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that can be really hard to unpack. Yeah. But go get them, girls. You can do this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. If... um. You know, and and it's just really beautiful for you to sort of debunk some myths about lactation consultants as well, and that it's not just breastfeeding is the only way that you can support a woman. But um, you know, with with the goal to you know help you know those ninety six percent of women who you know who plan to breastfeed and and start off, um, are there some golden rules in terms of attachment? Yes and no. Like I'm very big on if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm -hmm. And whatever works for you and your baby, seriously, just run with it. Because some, not every mom and baby is textbook. You know, we're all unique. I even say to mums, I go, just because you had a, you know, one feeding journey, whether that be perfect or challenging, doesn't mean it's going to be the same with the next baby. Because again, each baby is different and each pregnancy or each breastfeeding journey your body has actually changed so it's different again Um, so it's really important that we kind of know that from the beginning in terms of golden rules I suppose you could say yes there are some you know we we 
one really important thing is that babies are really close to us. So, for example, you know, I say if you were to drink a glass of water, if you were to have, um, you know, a bite to eat, you're not going to have your head turned over your shoulder. And I just naturally do it every time I talk about it. So if you're listening, (laughs) head over your shoulder, tilted, you know, contortion to the side. It's not very natural. And so babies are the exact same. So if we were to do absolute bare minimum basics, so we always want babies to be basically tummy to tummy with you because that's going to mean that their bodies aren't rolling away and their heads aren't kind of turned over their shoulder. If they're in close, perfect. And then I often say around nipple to nose means that then baby's going to be able to lean back, take a nice wide open mouth before they come onto your breast. And that's important because we don't want babies to what I can call nipple feed. Um, and that's just where babies literally are just feeding on your nipple. We call it breastfeeding for a reason because we want babies to feed on your breast tissue. So for mums who go, you know, it just looks like, you know, this tiny little mouth feeding on a nipple, uh-uh, take them off and go again. So that's one thing. And another thing is I suppose we often, unfortunately, again, midwife here, guilty. I did this before I was a lactation consultant. Sometimes midwives can be really hands-on and too hands-on for want of a better word, when babies are first born and trying to have that first feed. Um, And we don't, we can do, I suppose the best way to do it is do what we call a baby-led attachment or a breast crawl. Um, And so that is really just a fancy way of saying we let Bubby wander up towards the breast, pop them on your tummy, wander up towards your breast and get on themselves. And all you're doing is leaning back. So sometimes we jump to this trying to get babies on ourselves when if everything's been nice and normal and say haven't used pain relief haven't had a cesarean birth everything's been more normal then that you're a really great candidate to try that and that's just reclining back Um, and that's a beautiful way of making sure that all that all that stuff happens on its own so you don't actually have to think about you don't have to think about oh my baby's got to be tummy to tummy and nipple to nose because Babies instinctively do this on their own. Babies are born with that innate ability to breastfeed and that's really unhindered when your labour and birth has been on the more normal side of things. So that's keep it close. Babies in close and you kind of, you know, you can go wrong but you can't go wrong. (laughs) If in doubt, just ask for help. But that's why it really helps when you've, done education during your pregnancy because you kind of you know you kind of know these things you don't have to think about at the moment you're holding your baby going how do I feed them how do they is this right like what happens do I buzz my midwife what do I do you can kind of go oh I vaguely remember what this looks like and give it a whirl yourself so that's why I'm so big on education during your pregnancy there are some great tips and actually led into and the next question, which was, what can we do immediately after birth to aid in our breastfeeding journey? And I guess you kind of answered that by just letting baby find the breast and a touch on their own. Is there anything else immediately after birth that we could do to kind of help in that breastfeeding journey? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm, it's very, look, it's a, it's a very uh, glass half full 
thing for me to say, let baby do a breast call, because that's going to be the baby, like I said, the babies who have been the most normal yeah, and who have had the more lower risk um, and more natural births are going to be suited towards that. We know that in Australia, there's one in three mums who have a cesarean birth. Um, and so a breast call isn't possible in those circumstances or if mums have had any intervention, particularly if they've had more pain relief, this won't necessarily be, um, it's still going to be appropriate, but we don't have the same expectations of babies because mm -hmm. they are still affected by the medications um, used for mums who mm -hmm. they've had an epidural um, or a spinal block for a cesarean section birth. So, you know, breast call is great, but what can you do if you've had any kind of uh, intervention or treatment? Absolutely. For those mums, skin to skin is still the most powerful thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. um, that really is that tick over of our body to go, we've birthed this baby. And that in and of itself, it sounds so simple, but if we knew the overwhelming power of skin to skin and what that can do hormonally for our bodies as it ticks over into our body and go, we need to feed this baby and we start to bond that bonding that, oh, oh I've done it, my mm -hmm. That moment that you yeah. feel at birth is so powerful for you to be separated. And sometimes it takes for me to explain to mums, if you're separated from your baby, what that emotion might feel like. So I say to mums, close your eyes and imagine that moment that your baby's on your chest, whatever your birth may look like, for you to be able to hold them and feel them and breathe them in and kiss their head and see their tiny hands. For most mums, if they're pregnant, like, you know, Ooh, oh, my God, that's the most, <laughs> that, that just gives you the fuzzies, right? Yeah. And that's your oxytocin. That's the click over of you bonding with your baby and oxytocin is essential for breastfeeding. When you've had your baby, it will also help with your milk-making hormone, which is prolactin. If you can think of the total opposite, you've birthed your baby, you haven't held them, and they're separated from you. Lord, may they not be separated from you. But if you can imagine what that looks like, you start to feel anxious, the thought of, where's my baby? Someone else has got them. Are they okay? You start to go into a very different frame of mind, and that's your, you know, your fight or flight. You know, we're starting to release adrenaline. You're alert as anything. Is everything okay? There is no bonding happening in that moment. And skin to skin is so incredibly powerful. So regardless of what your birth has looked like, I advocate that every mama try and have that skin to skin. This is something that partners can jump on board with. So if there's any kind of separation or something's not, you know, something's a little out of the ordinary, asking for that, requesting that, if that's their only job, if that's all they ever do, to say, when can that baby go on? you know, partner's chest, birthing mama's chest or partner's chest, whatever that may be, advocating for that. Um, some babies won't necessarily breastfeed straight up after birth, but it is really important that we start that process of milk removal. So even if we do skin to skin, we can do something like hand expressing as well. And again, I'm going to sound like I've, you know, <laughs> got, a, <laughs> I got a, a wind back the clock. Um, this is why it's really important that women are informed during their pregnancy because, you know, if you need to hand express, 
you don't want to imagine a midwife saying, oh, look, Bubby hasn't fed. I think it's a good idea if we hand express some colostrum. And you go, so, so what? (laughs) Express what? And then you have to have this realisation that something is going to happen on your breast and we're going to try and get something out of it. So if you know wine back during your pregnancy, what hand expressing is and what colostrum is, then, you know, if someone says, oh, hey, I think we might need to hand express, then you go, cool, I'm all over it. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know how to hand express. I did antenatal expressing during my pregnancy. Can you please pass me a medicine cup because that's how I do it best. You know, for mums to feel confident and informed, ah, makes the world of difference. Um, So skin to skin, early feed for babies, and if babies don't feed straight up, Hand expressing is just a just to get that ball rolling to say mm-hmm. our baby's been born. Come on, let's start making milk. Let's do this. A really important things. Amazing. And before we wrap up, because I feel like we've taken up a lot of time, is there one thing that our partners can do to help us on the breastfeeding journey? So maybe after we get home. Absolutely. So I, you know, dare I dare I say it again. <laughs> Ooh, there's it's so important for partners that look you know if we look at the two main reasons why women don't meet their breastfeeding goals wind back the first one is because they don't have you know adequate support from a professional when they need it so you know mom has bubby has been slow to put on weight mum has got mastitis sore nipples whatever that may be you know being able to find someone who can help her solve that problem is super important but the next one is partner support partners play the most crucial role in a woman's breastfeeding journey I think far more than anyone realizes so to start with partners really need to receive the same education that a woman does really unfortunately you know we kind of talk about the mental load of motherhood I'm so glad that that kind of uh, topic is doing the rounds lately. It's really, it's really, really positive. But the mental load of motherhood for a new mum is, oh, when did my baby last feed? Have they had enough wet nappies? How long was that feed? Was that too long? Are they woken again? Is that okay if I put them down? You know, are they going to wake up? Should I just sit here? You know, is that okay? Am I making a rod for my own back? And partners don't think of any of that. <laughs> And so your brain is constantly ticking. So to have someone who's on the same Mm -hmm. page Mm -hmm. so that when you have a concern that they have some kind of supportive knowledge behind it, for them to be able to go, oh, hey, look, I remember what we learned in XYZ class or when we did this course, whatever it may be, for them to be able to go back to that and be like, well, let's find out. You know, let's have a look or who can we call or who can we ask? I, The most supportive partners I have ever met have been, oh, I've met some beautiful ones. They will massage mum's shoulders. They will set her up. She'll always have a glass of water next to her, snacks. They do the washing. Feeding is the only thing that partners can't do, right? So therefore, they should be able to do everything else. So if you kind of have this conversation during your pregnancy or even really early postpartum, that's totally fine. But if we think about that load, mums have enough on their load as it is. 
So the most supportive thing partners can do is A, be supportive of a breastfeeding journey. If a woman wants to breastfeed her baby, that choice is between the mum and the baby. Mm-hmm. And the baby always wants to breastfeed. So if a mum wants to breastfeed, then you're breastfeeding. You're a breastfeeding family, whether you like it or not. So dads <laughs> need to do everything else. And if they can't do it, then it's really crucial that they try and find an answer. You know, if a mum is really struggling, say it's emotionally, that he goes, maybe it's worth popping in and seeing your GP. Mm-hmm. You know, something I'm concerned about you, something isn't right. If she's experiencing sore nipples and she goes, okay, this isn't normal. You know, for dads might not have the answer. Mm-hmm. And dads are really conscious of the fact that they want to solve. They just want to solve things. So yes, much so do. that... <laughs> It's just a male thing. God love them. And it's super helpful 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to any kind of breastfeeding concern or a baby concern, it can be really, really hard. It can be hard for mums emotionally to try and process that. So for dads to be as supportive as they can, but if they don't have the answer, to find someone who does. Um, I will never, ever, ever forget when I had my first daughter and she was a really hard breastfeeding journey she was a she was a tough one she was a baby who had um, a tongue tie and I had incredibly sore nipples and I remember in tears one day just crying through the pain and my husband said to me is it really that bad like can you just can we just give her a bottle like is it like is it really that bad and I kid you not with my lactation consultant voice on I turned to him he will never let, I will never let him forget this and he and I said to him I said there are two main reasons why women cease breastfeeding earlier than they planned and one is because they have poor professional support and the second is because they have poor support from their partners <laughs> and then kept crying um partner support is mm-hmm. powerful and Breastfeeding challenges are real and mums let their guard down at home. So partners need to just, I love them dearly, partners are incredible and they're powerful and they just need to support that mama right where she's at and if they don't have the answer, help find it Mm -hmm. and if there is no answer and it's just that everything is normal because Let's face it, babies are complicated and lots of times everything is very normal um, and nothing needs fixing but to just encourage them and support them through that because the fourth trimester is real and it's so important that we have some sense of village and unfortunately for lots of families, partners are the only other person in that village. So they they have a big role, a very hard role to fulfil partners have a lot on their plate, but they they if they can understand the true potential that they have to make or break um, a breastfeeding journey, then oftentimes they will buck up and they will do everything they can to make sure that they are as supportive as possible. But they need to know how influential they are. Absolutely. So two things for our listeners. A lot of our listeners would be um, women who are pregnant or perhaps it's on their radar. First thing is that you need to rewind this part of the interview 
and play it for your partner yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe a couple of times. And the yeah. second thing is that um, your husband, and I'm going to hijack Stuart's phone in about five minutes' time, <laughs> and he is going to be following Kate on Instagram. <laughs> so he has got all the good stuff. Um, Kate, it has been such a pleasure talking to you. Um, our listeners can find you on Instagram at Milky Business Lactation. I especially like the kind of Muppet-inspired um, oh. little crocheted breastfeeding demo that you've got in one of your recent thank reels. You. Love yep. that. <laughs> Love it. Um, and thank you so much. It's, you know, your I can just your support is radiating. So it's really beautiful that um, we've had the opportunity to talk more about um, how important that support is for, uh, you know, mums on their feeding journey and, and getting their partners involved too. So thank you for your time. We, we really do appreciate it. My total pleasure. And it, like I said, you know, <laughs> rewind, just be a broken record. It's just, <laughs> you know, I'm so glad that, yeah, that your community is pregnant mums because, yeah. you know, like I just hope that, you know, they hear even a snippet of this because I've said it multiple times, sorry, um, you know, how important it is that you start thinking about this during your pregnancy. I have never to this day look at it might happen one day, I highly doubt it. We never had a woman say down the track, whether it be a week, a year, 10 years down the track after they've had their baby, I've never heard them say, you know what, I prepared way too much for postpartum. I over-prepared for breastfeeding. Mm. You know what, I shouldn't, I didn't, I didn't need to bother with all that educational, with all that forethought. <laughs> you know, it was such a waste of my time. Everyone, no joke, everyone says, I wish I thought about this more. I wish I thought about how I would feed my baby. I wish I knew about a lactation consultant before this. I wish. Um, and so for those mums listening, do yourself, your baby and your family a favour and whatever you have the time to prepare for, whether you are five weeks pregnant whether you are 42 weeks pregnant and, you know, sitting in a hospital bed ready to have your baby, it's never too late to think about what postpartum is going to look like and to reach out. So absolutely a total pleasure, girls. Absolutely love um, being able to share some wisdom with your beautiful community. So happy to help always. Thank you. Thanks. How amazing was that interview with Kate? She's such a light and breath of fresh air. Yes, got well done. <laughs> Yay. It's um, taken two seasons, but we've got there. <laughs> got my saying in. Um, just for anyone listening, that was pre-recorded before Christmas. So we were both we pregnant. Were talking, we were both pregnant. <laughs> But next week, we'll be talking about Hayley and the birth of Piper. We will. We'll be sharing um, sharing my birth story. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be really lovely to revisit that story, which I have told a few times uh, over coffee and, and such. But um, if it is not your cup of tea, please skip next week's episode. But um, I'm really looking forward to sharing um, sharing that story with you and if you would like to follow along with us on Instagram or send us a message we absolutely love hearing from you at bumped podcast on Instagram 
or send us an email at bumpedpodcast at gmail.com. We will catch you next episode and uh, take care. Bye.